0: By the time we're done with this series, we'll look at every healing that takes place in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but we're breaking it into what's considered bite-sized pieces. Uh, And so we're on part 13 because we're looking at all of the healings that take place in the Gospels. Um, And we've done all of Matthew, which means that we've also done most of Mark and Luke and a few things in John uh, because the healings that are listed in John are, Um, most of them are not listed in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, most of them. Uh, So uh, Luke will have its, or I mean, John will have its kind of own little segment. Last week we looked at two that were in, um, that I thought was only in Mark. Uh, (laughs) But I actually, I was, when I went back and I was re-looking at them again, I found that one that we looked at last week in Mark, the one in Mark uh chapter 1 verse 21 through 27 is also listed in Luke. So let's go there and look at the second uh, look at the other account of this Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Uh it's it's a little different um but not super different. Uh but uh, I just want to look at it because, you know, we're comparing them side by side. Uh, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to pick up here. I'm thinking it's so much not up as it is. It's like out there on left field. Hopefully that will help you. Let's look at Luke 4:28. Uh Jesus had been teaching. Jesus had been talking to some people. He finishes up in verse 28, and he says this. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. So again, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and he's messing with their beliefs again. Uh, and they're, what's he doing? He's uprooting uh, their religious idolatries. And, uh, and it says, and rose up and thrust him out of the city and, le- and led him into uh, the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. So Jesus is in the synagogue ministering, and they get so upset with him that they not only chase him out of the synagogue, but they chase him to uh, basically a a mountainside or a hillside, a cliff, and uh, they're looking to throw him over it and break his neck. That's what they're trying to do. And it says... But he, passing through the midst of them, uh, went his way. So Jesus basically slipped out of their clasp slipped out of their grasp. Uh, How much you know? The Father God can deliver you out of the hands of your enemies. He can, He can, and will, and does deliver us out of the um, out of the hands of our enemy. And um, you know, we don't really think about this, but this is actually um, a healing. You know, the devil can set a trap for you to kill you. And, and God can deliver you out of it. Because how much, you know, there was a trap here to, to take Jesus' life. Um, and that's a form of uh, sickness and uh, sickness and disease or attack. Um, you know, one area that you can think about this is uh, every day we get in our vehicles. And every day we, we get in a situation where we could lose our life in an instant. Um, but God's able to uh, deliver you out of that situation. I remember one time specifically... I was coming to town, and, and I didn't have really an unction to be delayed or anything, um, but I was just driving, and I wasn't speed. I was just doing the normal speed, and I was uh, down here. I was on the four lane out here, and I was down, I guess, might have been close to Ranger Road or close to the road we live at now. Might have been the one at Peddler's Village. I think it was Ranger Road. I think it was. And um, this car came out of the side road. I mean, they just shot out of the side road, in and amongst these other cars. There was a car turning on from a road on the left, and there was a ter- car turning in on the right, and there were cars in the middle. And I'm telling you what, it was like something. It was something like out of the movies. Like everything kind of slowed down, and 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 my car just kind of just, and I went at, my car just kind of moved out of the way, and I thought. Man, that's some intense, cool driving skill right there. No, it was the angels of the Lord, just delivered you. I just delivered us. I just delivered me out of the out of the out of the wrath of uh, Satan. And uh, so God can, you know, God can bring healing supernaturally that way. In verse 31, and it says, "And came down. So he slipped away from him and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. So it's not too far from the water there." And taught them on the Sabbath days. So he's teaching um, uh, the, the Sabbath days. He could be teaching. You have to understand in in the Jewish culture, not only was Saturday the Sabbath, but they had what was called High Sabbaths, uh, um, which were, or Holy Sabbaths, which were holy holidays. And so this could have been. This may not have been a Saturday, but it could have been what they call. A holy day, a holy Sabbath, or a high Sabbath, which means that they had a holy day in the middle of the week. Uh, but but the rules of Sabbath still apply, and so um, so they're uh, basically supposed to be resting. They're not supposed to be doing any work, and he's teaching on this, and he taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his doctrine, uh, for his word was with power or anointing and this is the same word that we saw last week exosia which means that he had liberty to do as he uh as he pleased he had there was a supernatural uh, permission that he had he had an ability or a strength which is in which is endued upon him in other words Jesus spoke with power. He spoke with authority. Another way you can describe this word is he spoke with spiritual jurisdiction. He had spiritual jurisdiction. Um, and that confused them because, um, because nobody had, pre- had ministered that way before. And it says, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. In uh, Mark's account, it just says an unclean spirit. Here it makes it very clear what the unclean spirit is. It was a devil. The man had a devil in him. Um, And it says, and he cried out with a loud voice. It wasn't the man that cried out. It was the devil using the man's vocal cords to cry out. Uh, The devil was speaking and saying, let alone. That word us is italicized. Uh, He said, let alone, what have we to do with thee? Uh, Many times when somebody is afflicted with one demon, there's other demons in tow. Uh, So that could be why this demon uses the word we. Um, And it says, uh, he said, let alone, what have we to do with thee? Um, Come to destroy us. He's speaking in the plural. Uh, I said last week, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a teaching going around that if somebody is, talk, is, is referring to themselves in the plural, that that means that they have a demon. Well, it could be a red flag, but that doesn't mean that they have a demon. They could just be going with what's socially cool right now. Um, especially in the young generations, you know, they could just be going, "Oh, that's a that's a cool movement." Yeah, I don't want to be a guy or a girl, so I'm a we. Doesn't mean they have a devil. It could be an indication, but it's not a guaranteed thing. You can't make a doctrine out of it. Um, but but it could be a red flag. There's no doubt about that. And but look at what he says. He says, "Art thou come to destroy us?" When you look that word "destroy" up, it means, "Are you have you come to send us?" into eternity without god have you come to send us to hell have you come to uh send us away from from this place uh is really what that word destroy means and basically uh the demon in the unclean spirit in this man this demon in this man said uh they see they know that their time on the earth is limited but they also know because they know the word that uh Certain things have to happen before they're before uh, they're cast into hell for all of eternity. So he said, um, "Excuse me." He said, "Have you come uh, to cast us out?" Uh, he said, "Let us alone. What uh, what we to do with thee?" In other words, uh, and, and then look at what he says here in uh, verse thirty-four. He says, "Saying." Let alone, what have we to do with the Jesus of Nazareth? In other words, he, that demon was saying, I know exactly who, who you are. Um, and notice, I want you to notice that it says Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, it was amazing to me. I don't know why I thought this, but once upon a time, I thought the only, that only, the only person on the planet that could be called Jesus was Jesus Christ. I did. That's what I thought. Uh, But there were actually many Jesuses in his day. There's even Jesuses today. Uh, It's a name. Um, But notice that this demon specified exactly what Jesus he was talking to. Jesus of Nazareth. And so sometimes when you're dealing with Satan, you have to be specific. You have to be very specific. And um, the Lord was talking to me this morning. Uh, during praise and worship, and he pointed something out to me this morning, and he said, "What God are they worshiping?" Because in the song, it doesn't wor- it doesn't specify what God. And I said, "Oh, that's interesting." So there's times that you have to uh, that you have to, in order to get victory, you have to make it clear that you're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. You're not talking about Jesus the that's only a prophet. You're not talking about Jesus the man, you're not talking about uh you know Jesus Jesus. you're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the one that was born in Bethlehem of a virgin of the Virgin Mary uh who later went into Egypt and then went into Nazareth and that's where he was raised and grown, and that's where he comes out of. He's the one that fulfills all of the prophecies that so so uh sometimes in order. Um when you're dealing with uh, sicknesses and you're dealing with demons, sometimes when you're laying hands on them, uh, you're not going to get the victory unless you say, come out or be broken in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Uh, because then they can't question who you're talking about. And so basically what this demon was saying is, I know precisely who you are. He says, Art thou come to destroy us? In other words, are you come to send us away from here? Are you come to evict us out of the earth is really what he was saying. He said, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And uh, Jesus rebuked him. Now, everybody tends to think that Jesus is sweet and mild-mannered and kind and never gets a harsh tone and Never uses a strong voice or anything like that. Um, but um, the Bible very clearly says in multiple places that he rebukes. He got, star- he got stern with this demon. It actually says in the scriptures in many places that he rebuked his disciples. He rebuked his disciples. Uh, and that, It's the same word, rebuked his disciples and rebuked the demons. He got strong-toned with them. He got very clear and very direct with him, with them. Uh, they talk about, uh, over in Revelations, it talks about how uh, that, uh, Jesus has, that when Jesus speaks, there's thunderings in his voice, and there's lightning in his eyes. In other words, uh, he speaks with authority, power, might, and dominion. There is such a thing as righteous indignation. There is such a thing as righteous indignation, and uh, when, that right, when that anointing of righteous indignation comes on you, look out, Charlie Brown. <laughs> look out. Uh, 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 there's times that, that that righteous indignation comes on me, and I'm like, boy, you better get out of my way because I'm about to take you out like a freight train. Uh, why? Because God does not put up with certain things, and Jesus doesn't put up with certain things. And so our nice, sweet, loving Jesus uh, will rebuke you, and rebuke sickness, and rebuke disease. And so, a lot of times when I'm teaching people how to pray for those that are sick, I always tell them, "Don't be soft mouthed. Think of yourself as a person in the as a as a commanding officer in the military. Command that thing to go with power, authority, and jurisdiction. You know, uh, when I teach the young people how to pray over this thing, I teach them this way." I tell them, listen, do you have brothers or sisters? And they say, oh, yeah. I said, did they ever get on your nerves? And they say, oh, yeah. I said, Do you ever get fed up with them? They said, absolutely. I said, that same tone, that same enthusiasm, that same sharpness that you'd use on your siblings, use it on the sickness, use it on the devil. That's what it's there for. It's not to beat up on your siblings with. It's there to walk in your God-given authority. And uh, so, so you've got to understand, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was inquiring if they had ever come up against a demon with demon manifestations. And he said, oh yeah, he said, I've dealt with it. He said, and, uh, and I said, well, well, what what kind of happened there? He said, man, I got cussed out for three hours. And I said, oh, okay. I said, did you get the victory? He said, no. I said, why not? He said, well, he said, I figured out I, I had something wrong. And I didn't get into all the specifics and all the details, but more than likely, he didn't tell that demon in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. More than likely, I looked. he said, he said I told him, I said, I said why would you quit? I said, did the person want the demon out? And he kind of looked at me like, wait, what? And I said, first of all, I said, you're not going to get the victory unless they want the demon out. I said you gotta make sure they want the demon out, and uh, obviously this man uh, in the synagogue wanted the demon out, and uh, it doesn't tell us this that, that that's the case. But if Jesus is commanding the devil to go, then that had to be the case. And so, um, and I and I looked at him and I said, uh, why'd you quit? I, and he said, well, I believe so. And I said, then why'd you quit? And he said, well, I've always been told if it takes more than an hour. That uh, it ain't going to work. And I said, No. I said, Did you not? I said, Have you not heard of Lester Summerall who stood, who dealt with a man for six hours who stood on one leg with his tongue out and never said a word, never moved? Six hours. Six hours. Lester Summerall just stood there and kept commanding "In in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. See, when sickness attacks, you can't back off of it. When sickness attacks, you can't back off of it. You've got to stay with it. Your body will get fatigued. I guarantee you three hours in, Lester Summerall said, this is ridiculous. But he knew he had authority. He knew he had power. He knew he had might. He knew he had dominion. I tend to get, in the past, uh, if, I, if I would get stressed, or if I'd get out in the sun too much, I would tend to get a cold sore, and just and and, and I knew I had authority over these things, and uh, I and I would rebuke them, and I'd tell them to dry up from the root and never return. And for a long time, I wouldn't long time I wouldn't have a problem. Most people lose their healing in the counterattack. Every once in a while, the devil's going to come back around with a counterattack. And you've got to stand your ground. So when the counterattack comes, when that pain comes, when that sickness comes, when that fever blister comes, when whatever comes that you've already rebuked, that you've already gotten the victory over, when that thing comes, you've got to stand like a commanding officer and say, I told you to go and to never return. Well, I made a critical error because I was dealing with some other stuff and I didn't think about it, and I, and I felt this cold sore coming up, and my first thought was, i got to go get the medicine. My first thought was, i gotta go, I got to go deal with this in the natural, and I dealt with it in the natural before I dealt with it in the spirit, and then I, it, it seemed like every time I turned around, I was dealing with these things. So I was like, that's it, I'm done with this. We're not playing this game anymore. I said, I'm done. And so the, the last time one came up, started to come up, I said, absolutely not. In the name of Jesus, I rebuked you. I've told you not to come back ever again. We're done. And that thing disappeared just like that. And I said, "Whoo! thank you, Jesus. And that was several months ago. Well, this week, because you can kind of feel it a little bit before it starts to show up. You're, you're, you know, you kind of feel them a little bit. And I thought, oh, that thing's starting to rear up. So as soon as I felt it, starting to rear its ugly head i just laid my hand on my face and i said you foul disgusting spirit of sickness disease and infirmity i told you you're not allowed to bring this cold sirs on me anymore now you dry up from the root and you do not return in jesus mighty name and then i just sat there and i went about my business and my head said you better go get that medicine you better go get that medicine. You feel that tingling. You feel, oh, you, now you can feel that, you know. And I brushed my face for some reason. I brushed my face. He said, didn't you feel that little bump starting? And I said, I've rebuked it. It has no right to come up in Jesus' name. And uh, that evening it was gone. That evening it was gone. See, so you've got to stay in the fight and the counter. You've got, to, you've got to know your authority. You've got to say, in the name of Jesus Christ. I didn't know all this was in here, man. This is a good word. Uh, you've got to stand on it. And uh, he said, he said, um, have you? Uh, he said, you are the holy one of God. And Jesus rebuked him. When sickness begins to grab hold, when sickness begins to, when when pain, if you're overcoming pain, when pain begins to show up, don't acknowledge it. Now that sounds crazy. Don't you know? If it's just now, if it's like you fell and your bones sticking out of your leg acknowledge it you know let's not no don't say oh i'm healed in jesus name and i can walk on it you know yeah yeah oh it'll go in jesus name you know you use some wisdom use some wisdom uh <laughs> you know use some wisdom but no uh you know and and honestly if you follow your legs bur- and your and your bones sticking out of your legs say well you're healed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the bone's in place, the muscle's in place, everything's fine. It's a supernatural recovery. Now get me a doctor. <laughs> now get me a doctor. <laughs> um, you know, but no, uh, you've got to know who your God is. And you've got to rebuke sickness and rebuke disease the moment it shows up. Don't give it any place at all. And this demon was talking and, and kind of showing like, ha-ha, I've got rule and control here. And uh, Jesus said, because um, remember he's in the synagogues and he's teaching. And Jesus said, uh, Jesus rebuked him sharply. It doesn't say sharply, but that's what rebuke means. Uh, and in, in fact, he said, "Hold thy peace and come out of him." He didn't. Jesus didn't mess around with him. Jesus didn't say, uh, "Sir, do you want the demon to come out?" Jesus looked at that demon and said, "Hold thy peace and come out." He was quick. When, that spirit, when there's a spirit uh, present that needs to be cast out, there's an anointing of faith that will come on you. And you'll know that person wants to be set free. You'll know it. And Jesus had supernatural knowledge that this person wanted to be set free. And it says, and when the devil had thrown him in the mist, in other words, uh, that man started, who knows what he started doing. But he obviously flopped out into the middle of the synagogue, in the middle of the congregation, maybe flopping around like a fish out of water because it says it through him, the demon threw him. Um, it says, through him in the mist. He came out of him and hurt him not. When the presence of God is there, people will not get hurt. You may see some crazy things, but they're not going to get hurt because God is protecting uh, the person that is being set free. And then it says this, and it says, and they were all amazed, and he and spake among themselves, saying, "What a what a word uh, this! What a word is this? That is, is italicized, so we can read it this way. What a word this! For with authority, with authority, exosia, and power, and power, uh, in other words, that would be Dudamus power." He commandeth the unclean spirits and they come out. In other words, they were not concerned with the man flopping into the middle, into the midst of them, being flung into the middle. They they were more focused on how Jesus handled the situation. And some a lot of times when we're dealing with praying for people with sickness, we're a little bit or, or dealing with sickness in our own body, we're a little bit too timid. We're a little bit too timid. And the reason we tend to be timid is because we have doubt. Maybe we don't have doubt in our heart, but we have doubt in our head. And so we're a little bit too timid. We tend to think, is this going to work? This is why we're studying this is because we're going to get you get teaching after teaching after. We want to show you time and time and time again that God will heal. And he wants you healed. And he wants you well. And so this is why you've got to meditate on these things. And this is why we take our time on these things is so that you know that you're free, you know that you're clean, you know that you're right. And uh, so you want to do that. Um, and uh, so so we see here that Luke gives us just a hint more information um, than Mark did, but not much. The next one that I want to look at um, in Mark uh, is is almost undetectable. It's almost undetectable that it's a healing. Um, And to see this, we first, we're right here, uh, the the first place we need to go to is Luke 18. Luke 18. I mean, I'm sorry, not Luke, John. John 18. John 18. I could read it straight for you out of Mark, but you'll kind of miss it if you don't understand what's happening here. Um, And so this is a healing that's in Mark, uh, but we see it... um, in John 1st first we're going to look at John eighteen, verse one, and it says, it says, when Jesus has spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook um, Sidorn, uh where he w- where uh, where was a garden, into which into the which he entered, and his disciples, and Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place." And then it says, "For Jesus oft times uh, resorted thither with his disciples." So the garden—what what we don't realize is—so Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's what this garden is. And um, we kind of think that this was like a one-time visit with Jesus when you think about it. But apparently, according to this, this was commonplace that when Jesus was in the area of in this area, he commonly went to this garden to pray. Because Judas knew that this was his habit. Because he had taken them, taken them there many times to pray. Uh, verse 3. And Judas, then having received a band of, of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Now here we find out that Judas has a, a, a band means it is a... Um, it's what you would call a squadron or a platoon or a legion of uh, Jewish police. That's what it is, Jewish police. Because notice it says, "Of the chief," he said, uh, a band of men and officers, so high-ranking officials, of the chief priests and Pharisees. So the, the Jewish priests, the Jewish Pharisees, the Sadducees, actually had their own police force. But they also were in Rome, and we find out in another area uh, that they had gone and gotten the... the, It's very interesting. There was a temple mount um, in the city where the highest of the Roman soldiers trained. And it was kind of like in this fortress area, and there was a secret passage in this fortress area... Where these soldiers could get immediately, very quickly, to the Jewish leaders to protect them if need be, and the reason the Romans would do this was because the Jewish priests and Pharisees could keep the Jews in line. So they knew if they protected the priests and the Pharisees, they could they could deal with the the priests and the Pharisees could deal with the Jews. So when they actually came to get Jesus, they didn't just have the band. Of Jewish officers, but they also had a band of highly trained Roman soldiers with them as well. Uh, it was anywhere from several hundred to up to a thousand or two thousand men with um, with uh, lanterns, torches, and weapons came to take Jesus. Why? Because he constantly kept slipping out of their hands when they were trying to kill him. And so, and, and Judas had seen this. And Judas had evidently told them, uh, he's a slick one. It's going to take a lot to take him. Uh, and, and they came, I want you to notice, they came with torches and lanterns. They were prepared to be there all night in this garden area, all night searching for Jesus. So when you read about the Garden of Gethsemane, you think that it's a very small place in your mind. It was actually a very large place, and it was kind of in this, mountainous area and in these mountains there were lots of there were lots of caves and caverns and tombs there were a lot of caves caverns and tombs and in these tombs uh they buried their dead um and so so the garden was beautiful the garden is very nice the garden is uh, is just a beautiful place but then surrounding the garden is all these caves and caverns okay and so they and then notice that it says that they even came with weapons they even came with weapons, so obviously they were looking for a fight. They thought they uh, they had heard so much about Jesus, but that they thought they, they were going to be up for a physical fight. Notice in verse 4 it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? So Jesus walked up to this multitude of people that are ready to just, take him with force if necessary, he walks up to him and he says, Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Now, mind you, Jesus had just been praying. And he had, he had been praying with such degree that he was sweating blood, drops of blood. And the angels had come and strengthened him with supernatural strength, power, and ability, supernatural power from on high so that he could sustain what he had to go through on the cross, what he had to go through at the whipping post, what he had to go through at the cross, what he had to go through in the gates of hell. The angels had just come and susten- to, to sustain him and prepare him for what was coming. In other words, he had just gotten along with the Father and built up in the anointing. And, he said, and so he goes to them and he asked them, he said, Whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus uh, said unto them, I am. It says, I am he, but he, he's italicized. He said two words, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him. And, as soon, he says, and it says, as soon as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Uh, the indication here is, in another in another area, it says that they fell backwards like dead men. Now there is a multitude, uh, probably at minimum three to five hundred people, at maximum up to two thousand people, and Jesus uttered two words and said, "I am," and they all in their with their lanterns, with their torches, with their weapons, with their military guard on, with all of their guard on, they fell backwards. Uh, like dead men. Why? Because of the power of God that went out from him. From Due to the power of God that went out from him. And uh, once they uh, got themselves back together and got back up, it says, Then asked he them again, Whom seek you? <laughs> they went backwards. He had to stand there and wait for them all to get up. Had to wait for them all to get up. And then he said, and then again he said, whom seek you? Right about now they're thinking, do we want to answer this? (laughs) Do we want to answer this? And they said, look, look what they said. We seek Jesus of Nazareth. They weren't looking for just any Jesus. They were looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Um, And uh, why is that important? Because he's the one that's causing problems for all these devils and demons. He's the one that's healing the sick. He's the one that's doing the work. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He said, so again, he said, I am. He said it twice. He said it twice. He said, I've already told you that I am. He said, and therefore, if I'm the one you seek, let all of these others go their way. In other words, don't mess with them. Why? Because Jesus takes the punishment for us. And so he said, "Uh, yeah, my people are here, but but release them and let them go. And in verse 9, it says, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of them, which thou gavest me, I have lost none. In other words, the the word of God said that when Jesus comes, He won't lose any. And so His disciples were with Him, and He so He spoke to this mob that was there and said, "You're coming for me. You're not coming for them. Release them and let them go, so that it can be fulfilled that I haven't lost any of them. That I haven't lost any of them. And so when you follow Jesus, Jesus will take on about, Jesus will, will Jesus is taking your place. Well, where's the healing in this? I'm so glad you asked. Go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Oh, wait, let's read on just a tiny bit more. Let me just read just a tiny bit more. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchisius. Then Jesus, and then said Jesus unto Peter, Put away the sword into thy sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I uh, not drink it. In other words, and so he told, he told them. Right here, he, all he does is he says, Peter, in this account, he just says to Peter, he said, Peter, now's not the time. Now this is very confusing because before they went to the garden, Jesus told them to take up their swords. I don't have time to go into that, but go back and look at, at the at the um at the Last Supper, go back and read it, and you'll see in there that Jesus actually said, uh, do y'all have any weapons? And they said, We got this one, That we got this sword. He said, That'll be good, take your swords. But then they get to the garden, the army's there. How much do you know? They're thinking, We're gonna have to use our swords. And then Peter, fully gonna defend God, defend Jesus the Messiah, uses the sword and cuts off the air, and Jesus said this is not how we're going to fight this battle. This is not how we're fighting this battle. There's a time to use your physical sword, and then there's a time to use your spiritual sword. And, and what Jesus was going through is even though there's a physical, even though he's going through some things physically, the sword that they needed to use in this situation was a spiritual sword, not a physical sword, not a physical sword. So, um, and really what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is always be prepared for physical battle. We should always be prepared for physical battle. However, before we enter into physical battle, we need to do spiritual battle first. Now, in this account, nothing, he doesn't, in this account, he does nothing about the guy's ear being cut off. In this account. So now, go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And this is amazing. So here, uh, he's, again, he's in the garden. They've been praying. Uh, the, the people come. Verse 43. It says, And immediately while he spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, uh, with him, a great multitude with swords, staves. So they have two weapons. Uh, from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. So he's like, there's a lot of people coming. Again, we're in Mark 14. I just read verse 43, verse 44. And he be- and he betrayed them, talking about Judas, and had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that, is, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. So it wasn't Judas's intent. It was not Judas didn't understand Jesus was going to be killed. He said, "Lead him away safely." He didn't. He Judas did not understand what was coming. Um, so when Judas figured out what was coming, that's why he went back and gave the money because he was emotionally distressed and distraught because he realized what he had done. And, uh, and 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 um, he said, taking him away safely. Verse forty-five. And as soon as he was calm, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master! And kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. So we understand from the from, we understand the fuller picture now. They had been praying. Jesus had gotten on to them for not praying like they needed to. They're getting up. They're getting ready to leave. Here comes this mass of men. They have swords. They have staves. They have torches. They have lanterns. They're prepared for an all-night battle. Judas walks up, kisses Jesus. Jesus says, "Uh, uh, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And they all fall backwards like dead men, and then they get up, and Jesus says, again, who are you looking for? And uh, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am. Twice he said, I am. And then that's when they grab him by the arm, and they begin to take him, and the mob begins to flare up, and this is when Peter cuts off the air of the guard. And and Jesus speaks, and uh, look at verse 48. Not only did he say, uh, only take them. Or, I mean, only take me, leave them alone. But Jesus also answered and said unto them, Are you come out against a thief with sword and with staves to take me? He said, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. Although, how much you know, they tried. Uh, But the scriptures must be fulfilled. In other words, he said, I'm not going to resist you and fight you anymore. He said, and they all forsook him and fled. When the disciples realized, uh, Jesus, this is about to turn very differently than we thought, the disciples all ran away. The disciples all ran away. All ran away. But I want you to look at what happens here. Verse 51. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about uh, his naked body. Now wait a minute. What? <laughs> and there followed him, following Jesus, a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about naked. And the young man lay says, and the young man the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Who is this naked person? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Again, you have to know the environment. The Garden of Gethsemane, like I said it's a beautiful it's a beautiful garden area, but all around the garden, almost from what I understand, almost kind of in a U shaped type shape, are all these caves. And these caves are tombs and sepulchres where they laid their dead. And in Jewish culture, when somebody died They had a very special linen cloth that they used, and they only used this linen cloth for burial purposes. And it says, notice what it says. It says this. It says, and there followed him a certain young man. A certain young man. So the indication here is that this is, Somebody between the age of 13 and 30, according to the way they use terminology, this was a young man. He still had a lot of life in him to give. It says, it says that a certain young man having a linen cloth, that is that very special linen when you look the word up in it, and it's basically a burial linen cloth cast about um, and naked. So the custom was, was when you died, they stripped you naked, they anointed you with these oils, with the anointing oils and these preservative oils and things like that, and then they wrapped you in this burial linen. Uh, and and they would either the way they would wrap it, the way they would wrap you was uh, they would lay the cloth out straight, and then they would lay the body, and then they would fold the cloth up over the body. Uh, that's where the shroud of Jesus came from. This is what they did with Jesus, and that's where they have this linen cloth, this special burial cloth that basically has the imprint of Jesus on it, because that's what they did with him. Uh, and there's no other clothing on these bodies. So evidently, uh, this this young uh, this young man had been had died. Obviously, this young man had died uh, because what he because he has a burial cloth, and he was naked. And it says in the young man, and then it says, and the young men, in other words, those, in the, the, those that, were, um, that had come to get Jesus, the, the soldiers, the police that had come to get Jesus, they went to grab a hold of this kid. Why? Or this young man. Why? Because they realized they had a problem. What happened was when they came to get Jesus, Jesus was facing the tombs. And evidently, this young man had just been laid in the tombs just a short while before. Uh, We know that Jesus was able to raise Lazarus when Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. So we don't know exactly how, how, how long this young man had been in the tomb, but he had not been in the tomb super. I would say probably hadn't been in the tomb more than a week. Uh, because of body decomp and the preserving oils and all of that. He, but we don't know. But what we do know is that when, when they came to get Jesus, Jesus was facing the tombs, And when he said, I am, this young man who still had a lot of years available to him uh, um, and who had been relatively recently buried uh, came to life and he was following jesus because he heard the voice of his lord god he's, so he's so what's he do he wakes up and he's in the tomb and he's like mm. so he takes his burial cloth and he wraps it around him and he goes to follow, and he goes to the one that called him when he heard i am so much power went out that jesus, that, that that those two simple words i am raised the dead Now, we don't know how many came out of the tomb, but we know that one did. And the guards went, we got a problem. And they tried to catch him because when he figured out he couldn't go to Jesus, where do you think the young boy went? He went home. He went home. And his story went something like this. Well, I remember being sick. I remember going to Abraham's bosom. And I was there in the place of the dead. And then all of a sudden I heard, I am. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, my spirit flooded back into my body, and I woke up in the in the tomb and i and I didn't have any clothes on all I had was this cloth and so I grabbed the cloth and I went to the one that called me. But when I went to go to the one that called me they they grabbed my my clothes, and I knew it wasn't a good scene because they had lanterns and they had uh, uh, they had lanterns and they had torches and they had clubs and they had staves and Somebody was cutting somebody's ear off, and it wasn't a good scene. And I thought, they're coming after me. I better get out of here. And I took off, and one of, the, one of those people that, were, that had all that stuff grabbed my burial cloth, and I was so scared, I just took off in my butt nakedness. And he ran on home. All you need from Jesus, doesn't matter what sickness you have, all you need is one word. I am. How much you know? I am the great physician. I am the Lord God who healeth thee. That's all you need is one word. And so Jesus gave him. Jesus gave him two words. I am. And when that I am was said, he, <laughs> the healing power of God went into those tombs and raised him from the dead. And some people speculate that maybe that was the mark that wrote this. Some people speculate that this is the uh, mark that shows up in the book of Acts later. We really don't know. Um, but we. What we do know is that he left the linen, verse 52, he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. He said, I got a second chance of life. Watch me go. I'm not hanging around so these people can take me out and kill me again. Verse 53, and they they led Jesus away to the high priest with him where, um, uh, where assembled all the chief priests and the elders. And this is where it follows through again. And um, again, what happened to the dude's ear? Again, he cut his ear off. And and still, his ear has not yet been healed. (laughs) I love this. Go to Luke 22. See, this is why you've got to take the scriptures and put them all together to get the full picture. Luke 22. Luke 22. I love this. Um. Luke 22, uh, verse 50. Luke 22, verse 50. Of course, in verse 48, Judas uh, betrays him with a kiss. And Jesus asks him, uh, Judas, why betray thou the son of, the, of uh, man with a kiss? In verse 49, it says, and when they were about him, saw what would follow, uh, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? They were like, Lord, uh, this is not looking good. This is not a good scene. Judas, is, Judas came up and kissed you, and now here comes this mob. Lord, do we need to spite him or smite him with a sword? And before Jesus could even answer, before Jesus could even answer, it says, and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. How much do you know Peter was always quick to jump out of the boat? <laughs> how, do you, how much do you know Peter was always quick to jump? And Jesus had to clean up his mess. <laughs> Verse 51, and it says, And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye this far. He said, Suffer ye this far. And he touched his ear and healed him. So here they are. They're coming to take Jesus. They're coming to uh, crucify. They're coming to, to for him to be judged. They're an angry mob. They're fixing to do much, cause Jesus much pain, much injury. And Jesus raises this young man out of the tombs by just simply speaking, I am. And then, um, not only that, but now he has to restore this man's ear that Peter cut off. And, and so in this time where Jesus would, should be just overwhelmed and probably a little grumpy, he's actually full of compassion. He's actually full of compassion. And he said, no, this is not the time. He said, Suffer you a little bit farther. He said, No, come on. He said, Let's 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 just hang in there a little bit farther. Let this thing go on a little bit more. And he touched his ear, and he healed them. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple, those were the other guards, um, the Roman guards, the captains of the temples, and the elders which were come to him, uh, be you come out against a thief with swords and staves, and, and what have you. And he goes on from there, and we've read the rest of this, and they take him. So right up, right up to the point that he is taken for, um, to be judged, to be whipped, to be crucified, right up to this moment, Jesus is still healing people. And he has not stopped healing ever since. He's not stopped healing ever since. Um, and so uh, that concludes, that officially concludes the healings that take place in Mark. Um, I, like I said, I, I was kind of upset with myself when I missed the raising the kid, the, the kid out of the tombs. I was like, oh, because that's one of my favorite ones. Because here's, you can get to a place, you can get to a place so anointed by God that miracles like raising the dead are commonplace. You know, when I say commonplace, it's not going to happen every day. Because I was talking to the Lord about this the other day, and, and, and I've got an assignment. I have to go back, and I need to do the research and look on it. But Jesus said, every person I raised from the dead, they had a spiritual assignment. Every person I raised from the dead had a spiritual assignment. The other thing, the, the, the one thing that Kenneth Hagan made an observation of um, was every person that uh, Jesus ever healed from, that Jesus ever raised from the dead, they still had life in them. They weren't of old age. They still had, they still had years left. They still had life yet. Um, you know, and because life is life, and you know, if the body's given out, then you know, you don't want to raise somebody back just so their body can just be miserable all the time you know yes Jesus can heal them but we also live in a, in a in a cursed and dying world um so there's always there's always a purpose behind the people that Jesus raises from the dead in this natural world uh and uh so you know yeah we love our we love our families and we want to see them raised from the dead of course um however sometimes uh it's better just to leave them in the spiritual place it's it's just better um Like I said during prayer today, um, the judgment of God is his love and action. And God knows in some situations, and and I can give you a couple accounts of it, in some situations it's better for somebody to die prematurely in the natural and end up in heaven for all of eternity than for God to leave them on the earth and let them live out their full life so that in the end they end up rejecting God and going to hell for eternity. So that's that's God's, you know, so judgment sometimes, judgment is always God's love and action. And even though it hurts naturally, we're so thankful that God does it because he's sparing them spiritually a lot of times. And that's not always the case because sometimes the devil just gets in there and takes people out prematurely. But but there are times that that's the case. And uh, so we are officially done with Matthew and we are officially done with Mark. Uh, so we'll look at, uh, I think there's three healings in Luke that we need to look at and then we'll cover John and then we'll be done with the healings in the gospels. Uh, and then we'll begin to look at the healing uh, healings in the book of Acts and then we'll go through the epistles and what have you that way. Um, but, but, uh, you can get to a place where you're so just in tune with the spirit realm and so in tune with God that healings can take place for yourself. And for others. And for others. So it it really pays to take time with God. It really pays to take time with God. Um, I've said it before. I've seen the greatest success in healing in my life, personally and through prayer for others, when I have just really gotten my flesh under control and really just said, "Um, no flesh, we're going to spend time with God. We're not going to be watching stupid stuff on TV. We're not going to be wasting our time going here and going there and running all over creation and just staying busy just to stay busy. But, Flesh, I'm going to make you sit down, read the Word, uh, read some real good teachings on it, listen to good teachings on it, and, and just, you know, fasting and praying. And I'm telling you what, we're coming on the day and the hour that we're going to begin to see signs, wonders, and miracles like Jesus performed. Uh, because uh, the devil has a counterfeit for everything that God does. I mean he has a counter for absolutely everything. The more I look at the word, the more I see that that's true. And uh and right now the devil is out there performing all kinds of signs, wonders and miracles and he's deceiving many of God's very elect, which Jesus said would happen in the last of the last days. And so uh if that's happening, then the day then we're right here at the day and the hour uh, that the church has got to begin to flow in the power of God. And in order to do that, we've got to get, like Jesus, we've got to get to the Garden of Gethsemane, spiritually speaking, and get some time in prayer and get, uh, get the power of God flowing in us so that uh, when we speak under the anointing, things happen. Glory to God. Uh, if our ushers will come, we're going to do our evening tithes and offerings. Um, if you have a seed to sow then uh, that's wonderful and if not, just sow a seed of faith for seed to sow and uh, i'm gonna give online I'm gonna give uh, through text message today because I've left my checkbook home again uh, checkbook home this evening so uh, I'm gonna give online I can uh let me get let me get to my text here and uh, they've got the number on the screen eight two eight five one eight seventeen seventy. And then uh, and, uh, and we can just love the Lord. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for knowledge. We thank you for the healing power of God. Father, we thank you once again that you heard our prayers before service and that you're bringing aid and comfort and peace to those that need it, that you're healing people spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. If you hear our messages online, I just heard the Spirit say this. If you hear our messages online and you need prayer, just reach out to us. Just reach out to us. We'll be happy to agree with you in prayer. And Father, we could just, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your healing power in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we give you glory and honor. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Thank you, Father. We'll do that in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Father, we glorify you. Father, we magnify you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, we ask that you bless the tithe, you bless the offerings, and you bless the people. Father, cause increase to come, cause favor to come. Father, we command the angels to go, cause favor and increase to come to these people. Satan, release your hold on their finances. Release your hold on their increase. Release that which you have stolen in the sevenfold that you owe them for stealing it. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, we give our, we sow. Father, though I'm sowing online, Father, I thank you by faith that the seed is sowed and blessed. In Jesus' name, you can serve the people. Glory to God. Let me do this completely. Uh, Glory to God while they serve. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, and it's gone. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. we got service Wednesday night. Uh, other than that, it's we've got a little bit of a quiet week this week, so we'll see everybody on Wednesday. If you need us at any point, don't hesitate to reach out to us, and we are dismissed. Glory to God. Richard said, I'm not sliding out the door early this time. I saw them wheels turning. I saw him. He said, I'm not slipping out this time. I'm staying put. I'm going to get them all. Get them all. Glory, 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 glory. Which box is that? Oh. Yeah, no. Here, let me help you. We'll just see you right in the car, honey. Oh no! Hey, Jack, will you do me a favor, will you go out and grab a box from Miss Judy and just stick it in my car for me, please? Oh, awesome. with food, I'm gonna deal with bread, eating, drinking, and just really talking to the Holy Ghost and